Today on Stick to Football, we are breaking down the B1G, Big Ten Day. You're going to get a preview. We're also talking about Vegas. I'm so excited. The whole crew will be there. No one put me on the roof and leave me there. Please, Mello, Connor, don't do it. I mean, if we have to do it to somebody, I think it's probably going to be you. Actually, you know what? No, you are going to be the dentist that gets married in Vegas. That's just (laughs) that's who you are on this show. I'm sorry. We won't leave you anywhere. We'll we'll stick together, but you would definitely the get married. The only thing in Vegas. that's true about that is that I would have to pay for everything. Uh, yeah, that's true. He did anyway. <laughs> that's <laughs> what paid, I mean. Yeah, he paid that's... for the room. Like you are Stu. Thanks, appreciate it. All right, Phil, you want to chime in? I feel like we've on this? done this before. <laughs> yeah, when we had Walker, he could be Baby Carlos, but um, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to find a new one this year. <laughs> yeah, actually, Walker uh, texted me said he's joining us. We are going to be in Vegas. Uh, Connor and I are flying out. The eight, we have to spend a week in Vegas. I want all your sympathies as you're listening to Stick to Football. Be like, oh my god, those poor. I don't spend a week anywhere. Those poor. This is going to be. Ugh. Young men have to spend a week in <laughs> Vegas. So Connor and I will be out there. Mello's coming in for the weekend. We're doing three live shows. And a college football kickoff event live from Caesars Palace. And I do believe it's not the real Caesars Palace. It's not the real real one. It's a newer and updated version. But it looks the same. It's going to be wild. Connor and I are already trying to figure out ways to, like, get away from Vegas for at least an hour a day so that we don't die. Uh, So if anyone has any tips, Connor, I think they should just tweet them our way. That'd be great. I know some of our listeners actually live in Vegas now. I got some great DMs yesterday. So if you do have any tips, uh, please save us. Because like I said, a week in Vegas is a long time. And a week in Vegas for stick to football is a really, (laughs) really long time. But we're going to have a blast out there. A ton of content, a ton of college football content, which I know our listeners are really enjoying this week as we get into these conference previews. Yeah, it's going to be fun. And before we get into football, I have to tell a story. Because sometimes before we record, we just kind of like catch up on life the three of us because we are actually really good friends and i was i was told i have to tell a story today so i'm gonna tell a story this is the weird stuff that happens in our lives so a couple weeks ago Mello and i were at a bar and i'm an outgoing fella i like to talk to people and so i was talking to a young lady and she asked what i did for a living you got, and i usually lie i don't know if you guys Mello's a teacher he doesn't have to lie but normally i'm like oh i do this but i was feeling brave so it's like i'm a sports writer And I cover the NFL. And so she calls bullshit. She's like, yeah, well, one of my best friends plays in the NFL, so I'm going to FaceTime him right now, and you better not be lying to me. So I'm like on the spot here, like praying to God, because I'm not facially recognizable, I don't think, praying to God that this player knows who I am on the spot. So I would just like to personally, once again, thank Dalton Reisner for saving my ass and recognizing me (laughs) on a FaceTime at one in the morning. So uh, I am now a, a fan of the Denver Broncos just because of Dalton Reisner. I mean, we always what knew was he, he was a doing? stand-up guy. <laughs> what was he doing? Yeah, like when he answered, what was he in the middle of? I don't know. I, you couldn't really tell. Um, but she was just like, hey, I'm talking to this guy. Uh, he says he works for Bleacher Report. Do you know who this is? And he was like, yeah, that's Matt. I was just on his podcast a couple weeks ago. And I'm like texting him on the <laughs> side like, thank you, God. Thank you so much. Sick so, save. I mean, really, you're probably like, oh, who is your friend, Dalton Reisner? Okay, let me text him real <laughs> let me quick. Give hey, heads up. hey, Dalton, you remember me, Matt Miller, Bleacher Report, Stick to Football, uh, just talked to you not too long ago. Please What's say up, yes. No, please like, she say didn't yes. give me the heads up of who the player was. So I, uh-huh. I was like freaking out because, I mean, I think if you'd said like a Twitter handle, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah but like a face, that's that's scary. So uh, that's my story. One of my stories of being having an NFL player be my wingman. That's where my life is currently, which is, is great. We've been replaced, Mello. That's I fine. guess so, yeah. Which I'm a terrible wingman, as everyone listening to me talk right now knows. Um, so I'm taking tips. I love you more than anybody 
you're probably the worst wingman in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's not a it's not a trait that I have. The good Lord did not bless you with that ability. He did not. Uh, def- I can talk about myself all day. I just can't <laughs> that's, talk yeah, about that's anyone the problem. else. So, Connor, I got you in Vegas, buddy. You're going to teach me how to be a wingman. We got seven nights there. Oh, I can I can learn anything. I was going to say if there was ever a time to there was ever a place and time to practice, we're going to have enough of the time. So. <laughs> right. We'll see how we'll this get goes in rooms. between all the nonsense. Yeah, or uh, Whiskey Dan saying we should get a suite for all four of if us. If we're putting that anyone on the roof, it's him, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and we know bad. where he is. Right. We're just yeah. not going to get him. Exactly. He's fine. He needs a tan. All right, let's get into some football. I can't wait. I went on a rant last show. I feel like this is going to be Connor's rant. Brian Flores, the head coach of Miami Dolphins, comes out on Tuesday morning and says that right now the clear leader for the Dolphins quarterback job is not Josh Rosen, but Ryan Fitzmagic Patrick. Uh, it's amazing to me. Connor, I just want you to take it away. I mean, this is the worst thing. You, this is what not to do. This is exactly what not to do. Now, if he's just saying this because maybe Josh Rosen needs an extra push where we've seen his coaches in the past believe that sometimes he is a guy that needs an extra push. But at this point, when you've been overlooked in the draft and then (laughs) declared essentially a bust from one team after one year, how much more motivation do you need? So this to me just feels that they think Ryan Fitzpatrick is further along in the offense right now. This is absolutely the worst thing you could do for multiple reasons. Number one, a lot of people think, hey, they could just tank with him. No, Ryan Fitzpatrick (laughs) will win you enough (laughs) games. You will not get Justin Herbert. You will not get Tua Tungavailoa. You won't get Jake Fromm. You will win enough games where you miss out on those guys and you're picking 8th, ninth. 10th Ryan Fitzpatrick when he starts these are some of the records over the last 10 years four and seven four and four four and nine six and ten six and ten three and six six and six ten and six on a Jets team where he had a lot of talent Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker three and eight two and one two and five this is what he does he'll win I don't know 40 percent 30 percent of the games he can get you enough wins where this is a horrible idea the other part is you need to see what josh rosen is right now you don't have time you have this training camp and one season yes does the team devoid of talent yeah there's some problems but laramie tunzel is there to give him a little better pass protection they do have some players skill players to help out here i don't agree with this at all this is the direction they go in and i will tell you 100 percent, it will backfire yeah i really don't get it either you really have to see what you have with rosen here i mean you have him for a short window here i know he was a first round pick but you're gonna want to figure out is he your future at quarterback because fitzpatrick is not your future at quarterback he might be a stopgap guy that can come in and give you a couple good seasons but you have josh rosen coming into his second season I feel like the Dolphins need to see what they have there. Is he going to be worth you know, building a future around, or do they just need to cut their losses and say, okay, it didn't work out in Arizona, it's not working out in Miami. They just they don't gain anything by playing Fitzpatrick this year. They're not good enough to beat the Patriots. I think they might struggle with the Jets and the Bills as well. This is a rebuild year. They need to see what they have with this young quarterback and Josh Rosen. I was going to say, you might fuck around and get Darren Lee instead of a quarterback. I've seen this story before, and it's not – it's not a fun ending. I, I'm with Connor. Like, you traded a, a late second round, essentially a third round pick for Josh Rosen. You got to see what he is. And this is not a great team. Everyone is expecting them to do fairly poorly this year. Why not just roll the dice with the young guy? It, your Brian Flores and Chris Greer are not. 
their jobs are not on the line this year, or you would not expect them to be. So why not get the young guy out there, see how he can do? Um, and hopefully this is just motivation. Hopefully it's just Flores thinking, okay, we got to kick this dude in the ass a little bit. I've always said that I don't know if this is the right way to motivate Josh Rosen is to say someone's doing better than you. I, I don't know if that's the move with him. He almost comes off, and I don't know him, as a personality that needs to be almost coddled. And that's not a knock on him. I don't, I don't want to piss any Josh Rosen supporters off. But as a guy who's coached in football before, I know that there are some players, you really have to rip their ass. You have to get into them and yell at them, and that motivates them. But there are other players that if you do that to, they're just going to shut down. And from the outside looking in, I don't think Josh Rosen is that guy that you have to go out and you know, say that there's competition. I think that he needs that reinforcement of, hey, you're doing great. Let's keep it up. Keep working on things. Not, hey, this old veteran guy is about to take your job. And here's the last thing. Even if Rosen comes out and, you know, say he plays okay, mediocre, and you think, hey, this guy probably isn't the future of our franchise. We're still going to draft a quarterback. You could still flip him again. There's always going to be teams in this league that are looking for affordable backup quarterbacks. And Rosen, yes, he was a first-round pick, but on a rookie deal with some promising talent. It, if he sits on the bench this year, this is an asset that just has no value at all. So, once again, the worst thing you can do right now is just not find out what he is. And I don't, once again, it could just be a coach saying, hey, we like what we've seen from Fitzpatrick. You know, Fitzpatrick has done this before in camps, whether it was against Geno Smith, whether whoever it's against. But uh, I mean, this is just not the direction to go. And I can't wait to see how this plays out. Yeah. I mean, this is like when you see those players like buying their mom's cars, like, oh, you have an asset that uh, is devaluing every day. And that's what it is. If you keep Josh Rosen on the bench, that's my TED talk for the day. Jerry Jones came came out, guys, and said, um, and I thought this was surprising because Zeke is holding out. He's going to Cabo to train, which is what I would love to do is go to Cabo to train. Jerry says, you don't need a rushing title to win a Super Bowl. He basically said, you know, when we had Emmett, we also had Troy and Mike and we had the triplets. So it's not always about a rushing title to win a Super Bowl. I would normally agree with that. I think Jerry's wrong because his quarterback is not that good. You need Zeke Elliott. He is this offense. Yeah, and I agree with you. I don't think there is one formula or really one position that says, hey, we have to have this to win a Super Bowl because we've even seen teams in the past do it without a quarterback. But you do have to have something. And I think Zeke Elliott is so valuable to this offense that they do need him to win a Super Bowl. I I think they brought in Alfred Morris. I don't think that's going to do it for you. I don't think that this depth chart here that the Cowboys have is good enough. I don't know that their quarterback is good enough yet to take them to a Super Bowl, even with guys like Cooper and Jason Witten coming back. Like The great offensive line. I really feel like they need Zeke, and they need to get a deal done because running back on certain teams, not very important. I think the Patriots could go out and win the Super Bowl without one. The Chiefs could. Hell, I think the Chargers could if you even want to look at the running backs that are holding out. I don't think the Cowboys are in that same talk. I mean, I'm with you all the way. I, they need this guy in there if they want to win that division this year. And I think even if they have him, it's not going to be easy against the Philadelphia Eagles. So when it comes down to, for me, this feels like a little bit of a leverage play from Jerry, which you have to respect. This is always going to go on both sides. I don't think Zeke's camp is going to be necessarily over-the-top offended by this. But once again, it's just not true for this team. They need Ezekiel Elliott right now. He's a great running back in his prime. I think he's actually doing the right thing by holding out a year earlier than everybody expected, trying to get that security right now. 
But I don't know if there's a clear answer here. I, I said the same thing for Melvin Gordon and the Chargers right now. It, it's hard to find the clear answer here, guys, when so many different players have to be paid. And at the end of the day, when you have teams that don't have quarterbacks on rookie contracts anymore, fitting in that top five running back contract with a quarterback that also has to be paid, it, it's not impossible, but it's it's really, really tough, especially when you look at the Amari Cooper situation. They got Jalen Smith coming up. He needs to be paid, and he's only been getting better year after year. I just don't see how they find common ground anytime soon here between Dallas and Zeke's camp. It's Big Ten Day at Stick to Football. I'm very excited. We have the East. We have the West. Thank God it's no more legends and whatever they were. Leaders. That was so stupid. That was very stupid. I didn't like it because I couldn't remember which I was which. Anytime you do that as a conference and you try to pin your two best teams against each other in a conference title, it's just not going to work out. Everybody needs to do it geographically, and thankfully the Big Ten fixed their error. I think when you look at... This conference, it's, you know, the SEC was interesting because there is so much talent there, but it's such an Alabama and Georgia dominated conference when you look at the top and you look at this one and we're going to have a couple teams like that, but this is a deep conference this year and every different team is stacked in so many different areas. So I'm actually a little more excited to talk Big Ten because I feel like there could actually be some surprises here this year. Yeah, I agree with you, especially if you look at the Western side of this division, this conference. I think that there are at least four teams that could win it. And even in the East, I know you have your traditional Michigan-Ohio State, but Penn State's looking pretty damn good, so it's Michigan State. Yeah. Sadly, there are some bottom feeders, but that happens in every conference. Yeah, let's get into it here, guys. East winners. Um, I Listen, this is all about Ohio State. Like Connor said, the, when things about the SEC, it's like, oh, it's Alabama, it's Georgia. I kind of got LSU in there. When I think about the Big Ten right now, I think about Ohio State. I am curious to see how the transition to Ryan Day as the full-time head coach goes, but we saw early last year just how good he was when filling in for Urban Meyer uh, throughout that uh, suspension. Now the Urban is once again, quote um, air quotes, sick. Uh, we're going to see Ryan Day take over, and I think he's going to do a hell of a job. Recruiting has not dropped off. We've seen what he can do as a play caller this reminds me of when bob stoops suddenly retired and we were like oh man lincoln riley how good are they gonna be oh they're really really good they're arguably better so i think ryan day is gonna be just fine my east winner is ohio state there's a bit of a question mark i think surrounding justin fields we didn't see a ton from him last year at georgia because of jake Fromm. but this is a dude that we know has talent i mean he was a five-star quarterback for a reason so i'm excited to see him get on the field in an offense that's really Taylor made for his skill set. I never quite understood the idea of him going to Georgia with the offense that they run. I think this is going to be a really good spot for him. I do, too. I think he fits in perfectly for what uh, we usually see out of Ohio State quarterbacks. And I think we've talked about this before, but I think Dwayne Haskins was really the outlier at quarterback. He was more of a throw-first quarterback, regardless of what you've heard on other networks. But (laughs) Justin Fields is the perfect (laughs) fit here. He's a big quarterback at like 6'3", 220, who can run and lower his shoulder. It's going to be like a rich man's JT Barrett. He's tailor-made for this Ryan Day offense, and that's why I have Ohio State winning this, too. I think Michigan is very good. 
Penn State could challenge. Michigan State could challenge for it. But right now, I love what Ryan Day is doing. Obviously, the offense is going to get things going. Despite losing a lot of receivers, they might have one of the best trios of receivers coming back in the nation. And this defense is just nasty. You lose a guy like Nick Bosa, but you come in and replace him with Chase Young. They have so much depth at linebacker and in the secondary. I think it's going to be very hard to score points and to score enough points to beat Ohio State. Yeah, I know the secondary and the linebackers were, you know, a problem for them at times last year, but I think those units get right. At least the secondary this year gets right. Like you said, Mello, Chase Young this year, I mean, we're expecting really, really big things. We've already seen flashes of brilliance for such a young player. He can really be their Nick Bosa uh, this year, the expectations-wise to be their Nick Bosa. They always get good interior defensive line play, but you look on the offensive side of the ball here, The upside at quarterback with Justin Fields, working with Ryan Day, who is still an underrated offensive mind in college football, it's phenomenal. And I know a lot of people will be upset that none of us picked Michigan here. I know Michigan has been a very, very popular pick across the board for college football analysts this year. I think the ceiling of Shea Patterson just doesn't do it for me. And if you look at college football powerhouses, They're getting phenomenal quarterback play, video game numbers from the quarterback position, and that goes across the board. It's been a a thing at Oklahoma the last couple of years, obviously Clemson now, Alabama, even Notre Dame when Ian Book came in last year was a very, very efficient passer for them. So I look at Ohio State, this offense with Fields, I know some people will be skeptical just because they haven't seen enough of Fields yet, but if you remember when him and Trevor Lawrence were coming out that year, they were 1A and 1B in that recruiting class when you talk about talent, and there's a chance those guys can be number one and number two overall picks in two years, so I'm a believer in Ohio State because I don't think we see much of a drop-off in this offense this year. The West, I think, will be more competitive, guys. I mean, you have Nebraska, you have Wisconsin, uh, you have Iowa over there. They're always good. You have Minnesota. That's a fun team. But Nebraska is the winner for me, and it's because of my dude, Adrian Martinez, who we are going to talk about a little bit later in this show, but I love this. I think Scott Frost is a head coach. They're going to be much better than that 4-8 and eight record last year. We saw them uh, turn around a little bit. Toward the end of the year, I mean, it's a tough schedule for Nebraska last year. This year, not as bad. You know, there's not any of those out-of-conference games that you're like, ah, damn, how are they going to beat this team? I mean, they open with South Alabama, for crying out loud. So, not the hardest schedule, but I think we see Adrian Martinez really build on what he did last year. I mean, almost 900 yards rushing, 2,600 yards passing. He is one of the best-kept secrets in college football, and I, I do believe that Scott Frost will now have his guys in. And I know that's such a college football thing to say, but he he will. It's year two. The expectations will be there. I think we'll see more of his type of players being able to step up and make plays. The return, like Martinez and Maurice Washington coming back. like That is a a two-headed duo in the backfield that a lot of defenses are going to have to worry about. They bring seven starters back on offense, six on defense. Hey, that's that's a good foundation. And I I think you also, you get rid of some guys that, that weren't a fit for your system. I agree with you, and I hate when we do this, Matt, but I'm also picking Nebraska, too. I really like Adrian Martinez as a college quarterback. I haven't looked at him as a pro yet because, obviously, uh, he's a second-year quarterback, but this dude missed his entire senior year of high school football with an ACL injury, I believe, and then comes in and starts at Nebraska under Scott Frost, comes in there. 
I like what Nebraska is doing, and I like the way they finished the year. These guys started zero and six last year, and then went four and two to finish out uh, the season, which was pretty impressive. And you say getting his guys in there, I think you're right because I think after zero and six, there was a lot of question about are these guys bought into the system and now I think they are you see it a lot of times when there is coaching changeover like this uh, you kind of have to weed out some guys that aren't bought in when that that message goes stale in your locker room they transfer right we saw them lose all kinds of quarterbacks last year before so I do like Nebraska I like what they're bringing back obviously with the starters but just another year of Scott Frost I am a Scott Frost believer I really think that this dude is going to be turning this program around where it's going to look more like what Nebraska did in the mid to late 90s. I think when you look at Scott Frost, you know, we're talking about getting some NFL head coach interest, how Lincoln Riley has been, how Matt Campbell has been. I think Scott Frost will eventually become that guy. Now, whether he entertains those offers will be another story because we know how happy he is to take over the Nebraska program. I think this program is close. I don't agree with you guys that it's this year. I think we're still two years away. I'm going to go with Wisconsin. I almost took Iowa here. I like the veteran presence they have at the quarterback position. I love the talent they have on defense, especially that front seven, which I know Matt is very excited to talk about in our next segment. But I'm going with Wisconsin. I think the the power football they can play, you know all about Jonathan Taylor. I think they're a team that can absolutely dominate in both sides of the trenches here. And I think nobody will be able to stop their rushing attack in the West. That's the most important thing. I think they have enough of a veteran presence there to win I think Nebraska is it's going to be interesting because he does have some of his guys stepping into roles now you saw the second half of the year them buying in even that six game stretch to start out the year they were losing a couple close games so this is a tight one that's what I talked about off the top of this show when you look at the SEC wasn't exactly like this the Big Ten specifically the West there's a handful of teams you can pick to win this thing my gut is going with Wisconsin uh, the only thing I'll say about Wisconsin, I love Jonathan Taylor. They're breaking in a freshman quarterback, or I guess he's a redshirt freshman technically, uh, Jack Cohn. So I'm excited to see what he does at quarterback. Conference winner, I, I think it's just across the board we're all going to say Ohio State, right? There's too much talent. Justin Fields, J.K. Dobbins in the backfield. They got. Uh, we're going to highlight players to scout. And let me tell you, I have receiver and DB. It's basically Ohio State. Yeah. They have the best corner in the country in Jeff Okuda. They have great wide receivers. Even after losing, like they lose Paris Campbell. They lose scary Terry it's okay we've got a couple guys coming up KJ Hill and, and Victor Benjamin like they're going to be just fine so I think Ohio State is the clear winner and, and I will say this I so for me it would be a Nebraska Ohio State Nebraska played Ohio State very well last year they lost 31 36 and that was kind of the moment where you could see the team like Connor was just saying buying into Scott Frost so I think it would be a much closer game this year uh, in terms of the talent discrepancy between the two teams but I am going to take the Buckeyes in the in the Big Ten I'm going to agree with you. I think that what Ohio State has coming back is just going to be too much for any team in the Big Ten and for a lot of teams in the country. I have them entering the season as my number five team overall, but I really do think they make a playoff push. I think Georgia and Alabama might uh, kind of hurt each other and knock each other out of the playoff where an Ohio State team maybe even runs the table 
uh, it gets to a Nebraska in the championship game and then they win it, I would not be surprised at all to see Ohio State in the college football playoff. Same here. I mean, honestly, I don't want to pick the same as you guys, but I feel like I'd be a fool not to. I'm a believer in Ohio State. I think they'll have the best offense in the Big Ten. I think the defense will be adequate. It's one of those defenses that can be a takeaway group, and that's what matters right now in this conference. So I'm rolling with the Buckeyes. Teams on the come up. I'm taking the Huskers, man. It's my favorite I had part. someone else in there, and I was like, nah, I got I to gotta take Nebraska. They start the year. South Alabama at Colorado, Northern Illinois at Illinois, then Ohio State. They should be 4-0 heading into the last weekend of September with a showdown in Lincoln against Ohio State. I wouldn't be shocked if they pull the upset off there. I just think this team will be hot. Ohio State can still be kind of feeling themselves out. But whether it's this year or not, like you both said, Scott Frost is going to get this thing turned around. This is his second year here. It's only his fourth year ever as a head coach. He will get things turned around. He understands recruiting in Nebraska, the legacy of Nebraska, the culture there. Uh, He's one of the young head coaches I'm most excited about in all of college football. So, I mean, you could talk about Purdue, uh, with, you know, with Brom, you could talk about Minnesota, Michigan State. Like, there's a lot of really good teams in this division and this conference that we feel like are, are trending upward. But if you're talking about a team that's going to be literally red hot, no pun intended, it's Nebraska. Yeah, and I'm going to say stop right there because I think that Minnesota is going to be the team on the rise. Roll the boat. I, I talked about Scott Frost. I also love P.J. Fleck. And I think that the Big Ten West might be one of my favorite divisions of any conference to watch. I love them. Put them on my TV at 11 a.m. I don't care who they're playing. It's going to be great. I love what Minnesota's doing. Last year, they struggled a little bit. They went 7-6 and six with a true freshman walk-on quarterback taking the start. Week one, I think that this team is going to be much improved. They played two of their quarterbacks last year. They also bring back nine guys from this offense and a trio of running backs. You talk about Brooks, who was there, suffered an ACL injury. But Muhammad Abraham is a freshman that was coming in last year, rushed for over 1,000 yards. I really like his game. I've highlighted him as one of my breakout players. I love what Minnesota's doing. They bring back seven guys on their defense uh, with a great edge rusher, a lot of talent, a lot of veterans, and they're still building. I Like, like I said, they have two young quarterbacks. They've got some young running backs. Uh, I think everybody's going to be pissed if I don't talk about Tyler Johnson at receiver because a lot of people love him. I don't know if... Minnesota is going to get it done this year. I don't have them winning the West, but I do think that P.J. Fleck will get things going at Minnesota, and this is going to be a team, if he stays there, that can contend in the Big Ten West every year. And I'm going to go with Michigan State here. I think when you talk about a front seven that was lights out last year and they're returning – that unit is all about Michigan State. I mean, you want to talk about a conference where everybody's trying to run the ball, right? Everybody wants to develop this power run game. Now, Ohio State might not. They might draw back and throw the ball 50 times with Justin Fields. We'll see. But if you try to do that against the Spartans, you're not going to have any luck. I think this might be the best front seven in college football, guys. Now, the X factor with this team is we saw a different Brian Lewerke last year where we had expectations for him and he didn't meet them. Now, was he hurt? That's what it sounds like. He was playing banged up. Just looked like a different player from a physical standpoint. 
I think he can get back to that form he showed at times from two years ago, lead this offense where they are an efficient offense. They are a productive offense because the defense is going to be handing the ball back to them so often that this has actually become a forgotten team in a conference where there's a lot of talent. But Michigan State has already shown it. I mean, Kenny Willekes, he's great off the edge. You talk about Joe Bocci tackling machine. They have linebackers that can make those plays behind that defensive line. I think this is a very, very good football team. I do too. I love Kenny Willekes. I mean, that dude is a blast to watch play. Hopefully they can stay healthy. Overrated. Let's make some people mad. This is my favorite thing to do. Let's just poke the bear. I'm coming right at you, Danny Barnes. Michigan. Overrated. I say that knowing my mom is from Detroit, and she's probably going to slap me when she listens to this tomorrow. I'm okay with that. I think I could take her. She's getting old. Michigan is overrated. They lost three games last year. I don't trust Jim Harbaugh. And guess who else I don't trust? Shea Patterson. Remember when we had Chase Winovich on the podcast, and, and we were like, let's play name association. And I said Shea Patterson, and he went, next question, or no comment. What do you say? No comment. The only question. one he did that for. Right. Guess what? I don't trust that guy leading the team. Put Dylan McCaffrey on the field. Like, let's see I the future. You've made Dan Barnes happy now. Even calling Michigan overrated, you've talked shit on Shea Patterson. I'm with you, too. I've never seen it with Shea Patterson. He's another guy that has come in as a high recruit uh, where I just I don't see the, the five-star ability and not when it comes to college football. And, and they lose six starters on defense. They're like, oh, Don Brown's a great defense coordinator. He is. But you lose Winovich. You lose uh, Devin Bush. You lose... Rashawn Gary. Gary, David Long. I mean, you're losing high-caliber players. I yeah. know you're Michigan, and yes, the receiving core is fantastic. I think losing Kron Higdon's going to hurt a lot, too, because there were so many times last year he had to take over games because Patterson didn't look good. They have no running game coming back, too. So I will agree with you on Michigan, but I'm going to go ahead and piss off another fan base uh, that we're going to see this year. I'm saying that Wisconsin is an overrated team. <laughs> we see team. these two teams play each other. Exactly. They're going to kick us out of Madison. <laughs> and I do want to explain here. I do think that Wisconsin is overrated, but I also think they're a very good football team. I love the Badgers. I, I talked about their offensive line countless times last year. Obviously, I love Jonathan Taylor. I don't know what they have at quarterback. They they don't have a whole lot coming back on this offense. They actually only reti- return like three guys with some real starting ability. Jack Cohn at quarterback, maybe he's in there. I don't think that he's going to be there all year. I think they probably replace him with Graham Mertz, who looks like a top quarterback coming out of Kansas. I like this team, but I think we need to kind of pump the brakes on the expectations because last year they went 8-5, and five and they've lost a lot. Uh, on that offensive line, I think they'll be good again, but they lost a lot of guys there. You lose a lot of your top receivers. You don't return much on defense. I'm sorry, Badgers. I hope that you guys have a good season. I'm rooting for you, but I do think that you're maybe a little bit overrated coming into the season. I'm glad we canceled the the big house trip because I'm going <laughs> with Michigan as well. And I think I think Big Blue is not going to be loving to stick to football after this show. I mean, I'm just it, I echo what Matt said. I'm not a Shea Patterson guy. Now, I don't even think Michigan fans will be that mad at us because the sense I get is they don't love Shea Patterson there either. He's the one holding them back in some of the biggest games. Now, do they have enough around him where maybe 
he's not the issue. I, the wide receivers are phenomenal. I mean, after Alabama and Clemson, it's harder to find a, a trio like that in the country right now when you look at those Michigan receivers, Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, they're a great, great unit, and they have talent replacing the talent on defense, but I still think they're overrated. I've seen them pick to win the East it seems like across the board right now. When I was doing the prep for this, I was sitting there and I go, what am I missing with Ohio State? Do people not remember the kind of player Justin Fields was? Do they have concerns about Ryan Day? Because I don't at all. I have none of those concerns. Uh, yeah, they graduated some players or had them move on early to the draft and because they were phenomenal. Ohio State does that every single year. So, And Michigan will do the same. But once again, the quarterback is really what sets your ceiling in this conference and for people to be saying that Michigan is probably the conference winner. I don't have the belief in the quarterback ceiling that they do. Heisman hopefuls coming out of the big 10. I'm going to start guys because it's my dude, Adrian Martinez. Not only does he just look so clean in those Nebraska unis, which I think matters, matters a lot. Like you got to look good to play good. He does. And he's just a really, he's an amazing player. I mean, I mentioned the stats earlier, almost 900 rushing yards last year. We saw him go 2,600 passing. I think we cut down on the interceptions this year. He had eight last year. The passing will probably get up higher. He had 17 touchdowns uh, through the air, eight on the ground. I think he'll become a focal point of this run game with Divine Ozuboa off to the NFL as well now. So I think we see Adrian Martinez really become I don't know if anyone listening to this is as old as me and remembers like Tommy Frazier when Scott Frost was there, Eric Crouch. I think we see him take over this offense a lot like those guys did back in the glory days. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I really like Adrian Martinez, too. But since you guys pissed off the Michigan fan base, I'm going to try to make them listen to the show again. I'm going to go with a receiver. I, I know this is a quarterback-driven award, but I did want to highlight somebody else. I really love Donovan Peoples-Jones with Michigan. I think that they are going to have to air the ball out this year. You guys talked about their quarterback in the last segment. They also don't have a running game. They have no running backs returning, really, uh, that can carry the load for them. Their leading return rusher from last year at 300 yards. So you have a big, big gap there, but you also have a lot of talent at receiver. You're bringing in a new offensive coordinator. And I think, for me at least, if you see a Michigan player score on a punt return touchdown... That is going to get you some Heisman votes when you look at guys like Desmond Howard and Charles Woodson, who really did it on the punt return. So I think if Donovan Peoples-Jones can get back there, maybe he gets two touchdowns this year, can produce in the receiving (laughs) game, I think that he's going to be a name to watch in the Big Ten. I think the hardest part about picking Heisman hopefuls is that you haven't seen some of the guys play that can really break out onto the picture. I mean, you look at what Kyler Murray did last year, obviously, a full season of Tua. And I think Justin Fields falls into that category where we haven't gotten to see Justin Fields, the starter yet. And a lot of people, you know, were skeptical when he went to Georgia, how long it would take. And obviously he didn't want to wait it out after he could not take that job from Jake Fromm, which is not easy to do. Now he gets the waiver. He's playing right away. He's playing for a coach that'll set him up for success and offense that'll set him up for success. So in this conference, for me, it's Justin Fields all the way. I think it's a numbers game, the Heisman. It's often a quarterback game, the Heisman. And I think Justin Fields is in the driver's seat to have those Dwayne Haskins-type numbers and attack on the rushing. That's the difference here. This guy can move. So I think he really, really can make a play for the Heisman Trophy in his first year as a college starter. You mean Dwayne Haskins wasn't a runner? <laughs> A lot of people are saying... It depends what show you listen to. Right, it depends. Yeah, those 224 yards rushing he had last year, uh, well, and then he lost 
on sacks because college football. So you had like 104 yards rushing. Uh, let's look defense for Heisman. Hashtag it. Send it to us every Saturday. We want you to tell us the defensive players that deserve Heisman consideration. I might have a trophy made and give it out at the end of the year. I don't know what, what's going to happen here. But you guys know, if we're talking about the Big Ten, I'm taking A.J. Epinesa. I fell in love watching this dude play last year when he was a backup at Iowa doesn't matter that he was a backup because he still had a phenomenal year. Ten and a half sacks, six tackles for a loss. The, the fact that he was a backup was because Kirk Ferentz is old school and he will start his seniors. So Epinesa was clearly the better player. He just didn't play the first snap of the game. But I love watching him play. I mean, he has size, strength. He's quick. He's productive. So if anyone in the Big Ten is going to get my Heisman vote on defense, it's A.J. Epinesa. I like that pick, and I think you're right with the edge rushers. If we are really going to get a defense for Heisman type guy, it's probably going to have to be somebody that can get after the quarterback and maybe get some strip sacks and, and different things like that. And that's why I'm going with the best edge rusher in the Big Ten, and that's Chase Young. He's the number one player on my board, and I really I want to rile you guys up because I know you like Epinesa. I love Chase Young. I think he's better than Bosa. Uh, his hand use, his technique, and his athletic ability is going to jump off the charts. You look at what he did last year as a sophomore with his nine and a half sacks. He's a great player. I don't see very many holes in his game. And he stepped in and he took over for Bosa immediately. 14 and a half tackles for loss. Uh, being able to force the fumble that he did. He's a great player, and I think he is going to emerge as the number one player in the country when we're talking NFL draft. Absolutely love him, and that's why he's getting my defense for Heisman vote. And I'm sticking with a pass rusher here as well. Going with uh, my guy here from Michigan State, Kenny Willekes. I mean, same reasons you guys just said with Epinesa and Chase Young. He gets after it from the edge. He's actually one of, if not the best run defender in the country. Uh, absolutely dominant against the run. Can really set the edge. Can really shoot gaps and and get those tackles for a loss. So I love what Willekes can do. He's playing with a lot of talent around him, which will really help too because I think Epinesa and Young are going to see a lot of double teams this year. And I don't know if Willekes is going to get that treatment because of how much talent Michigan State has in their front seven. But I want to go with an honorable mention here. We haven't talked about those Nittany Lions much on this show. Micah Parsons entering year two. He was the first true freshman at Penn State to lead their defense in tackles. That's how good he was. You think of all the defensive players that have come through that program. Parsons, highly touted five-star recruit. He's already got the size of a sophomore. He's 6'3", 250. He's got the speed, explosiveness. I think as a full-time starter this year, because he was not last year, he's going to step in, be ready to go. If you're looking for an underclassman to really represent that hashtag defense for Heisman, I'm really, really excited about Parsons in this defense. Dude, I, I love him as well. I, I think he's one of my in. top <laughs> linebackers in the country. And that's an, it's another situation where like the coaching staff did, didn't start him for some reason, uh, I guess because he was a freshman. I know they had some guys there in front of him, but I think you're right. When you talk about Micah Parsons in a couple years, we're going to be talking about him as one of the best linebackers. I mean, he'll be up there with a Devin Bush, you know, Devin White type guys that we've seen before, and he can do it all. He can play on the inside, play on the outside. He might even be a guy that can convert and be an edge rusher like we saw with Von Miller. For sure. I love Micah Parsons. And Gross Matos there. I mean, and I was telling Melo that I was watching the Iowa tackles and he just destroyed them. I mean, and they, these are guys like folks are touting as the first round tackles. And Gross Matos, the, the edge at Penn State, just destroyed them. So Penn State has a lot of talent. You're right. We haven't talked about them because they've lost a lot. You know, McSorley's gone. 
Booby's gone, but th- they the still wide have receiver transfer to Oregon. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. They still have a couple dudes on defense that are just nasty. Let me segue then for okay, us. There you because go. you know what? My breakout player is actually a Nittany Lion, and it's at that running back position because they've just been so good there and so deep that we didn't see guys like Miles Sanders play because of Saquon Barkley. And we also didn't see Ricky Slade play, who is going to be my breakout player. I absolutely love his game. I think he's going to be another top running back that comes out of Penn State. He just, he's been on the bench. I mean, he rushed for 257 yards last year because he didn't have the opportunity. And like we talked about with Micah Parsons, this coaching staff will kind of put the younger guys on the bench. I love what he can do. I think he can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. Losing Tommy Stevens, the surprise transfer at quarterback, you're really going to rely on this running game. And I think that's where Ricky Slade is going to step up and he will be a name to watch in the NFL draft. Yeah, my breakout player is someone that we've talked a lot about, and this might be generic, but I think Justin Fields is going to break out. I mean, we we just haven't seen it. And I know there's hype there because he was such a big recruit. But I mean, again, like Connor said, Dwayne Haskins was phenomenal in this offense last year. 50 touchdowns, eight picks, and Fields adds the run game element. So he might not get 50 touchdowns because they do have, you know, they lost two receivers. They, they still have two really good ones. I mentioned that earlier with KJ Hill and Benjamin Victor. But I think Justin Fields, is just, he'll become a household college football name. I mean, I think it will go from, you know, we're talking about Trevor Lawrence to, uh, I think Justin Fields gets his name in that conversation. You know, where he's up there with like a Kyler Murray, uh, a Dwayne Haskins as Guys who come in, first-year starters, and we're like, oh, man, you just changed college football. I went with somebody that already broke out, but I just needed to find a way to get him into this show. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. We have to talk about him because we haven't really had the chance to talk about Purdue because they're not a favorite to win the conference or the East or the West. I don't want to say – I just didn't feel comfortable picking them as a a rising team because we had better options. I I loved Mello's pick of Minnesota. I felt very good about Michigan State. And obviously, I mean, Nebraska is the perfect pick for Matt. But Rondell Moore last year as a freshman, 114 catches, 1,258 yards, 12 receiving touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. And he did it against good teams. I mean, 94 yards against Auburn. And then you look at what he did. He just dismantled Ohio State. 170 yards against Ohio State. And then Boston College, another good defense, 110 yards. He just kept doing this to everyone week after week with double-digit catch performances. This is from a freshman that's 5'9", a buck 75, soaking wet. It's ridiculous the strength, the speed, the hands. He really has it all as a player. As soon as the ball is in his hands, look out. He's hard to tackle at that size. He's compact. He's muscular. I love this player. I'm actually disappointed that he's only going into year number two. Because like Micah Parsons, I want to be talking about this guy for the NFL right now. And I know people will say, why would I want to turn on Purdue? Turn on Purdue because they have Rondell Moore, wide receiver. Yeah, and Jeff Brom's a hell of a coach. So I'm glad awesome we got coach. some Purdue talking there. All right, offensive players to scout. I was assigned uh, wide receivers, and so I have a list. Oh, my goodness. Um, Are you guys ready? Get your pen out. I'm going to screenshot this, and I'll tweet it out in the morning after the show comes out. So, deep breath. 
Tyler Johnson at Minnesota, KJ Hill at Ohio State, Benjamin Victor at Ohio State. Michigan has two guys that are draft eligible, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Nico Collins. Treat Black, only a sophomore. He's not in there yet. You got KJ, KJ Hamler at Penn State, Amir Smith-Marset at Iowa, AJ Taylor at Wisconsin, Nick Westbrook at Indiana, and Daryl Stewart at Michigan State. I Tyler Johnson is the one, like Melo said, everyone knows about. He's a senior. I think Donovan Peoples-Jones is the best of this receiver group, but there's a lot of talent here, and this is a big part of the reason why we're all so excited about the 2020 wide receiver class. It's not just Alabama and Clemson. It's Michigan and Ohio State. They're adding a lot of talent to this group as well. Yeah, and I have the offensive line group, and it is a special group. Obviously, you have the Iowa guys, uh, Alert Jackson. I think that maybe he's even a candidate to stay at Iowa and come out next year. Tristan Wirfs looks like the top tackle from the Big Ten to me. Even though he plays on the right side, I think that that's okay and that teams are really going to fall in love with him. Wisconsin, Cole Van Lannon was one of the top-graded tackles last year. He's going to actually get an opportunity to start at Wisconsin this year because the Big Ten is still living in the old-school days when you don't start young players. That's okay, though, because he is a top player at tackle. Really looking forward to what he can do in the passing game because we know he can pave ways in the rushing game. You look at the interior positions, Michigan has two very good guards that can play. I I think that they're the top in the conference. Really good offensive line play, obviously, in the Big Ten. They always have it uh, at every position. And also, Tyler Bayadash, I think that's how you say his name, looks like one of the top centers that we've seen. I mean, he would fit in right there with a guy like Garrett Bradbury last year. A lot of people thought he was going to come out, but he returns to Wisconsin where they're still going to have a very good offensive line. Very excited to see what they can do. So I got the backfield here, quarterbacks and running backs. Quarterbacks, an interesting group. It seems like a lot of potential middle round kind of guys. We talked about Shea Patterson a lot on this show. There are pro expectations for him. So you got to circle Michigan games to watch Shea Patterson. Hopefully he takes some leaps this year. Nate Stanley from Iowa, kind of one of those more quiet ones. When you look at this group, I think there'll be a lot of eyes on Nate Stanley as a senior bowl player. Uh, There'll be a lot of eyes on the quarterbacks in this conference that are draft eligible as senior bowl players. So Stanley's one of the returning starters that has a chance, you know, I was going to be in the thick of it there in the West. And a lot of that rides on Stanley's shoulders. Another one, Brian Lewerke. I, I think we had some draft expectations for him going into last year, and he just never really got to put his foot on the gas. It never looked like the guy that we watched over summer, physically just a little limited, and a lot of that must have been due to injuries. So Lewerke hopefully having a big comeback season. It's interesting with this conference because some of the best talent uh, isn't even draft eligible right now. That's you know We talked about Rondell Moore before Justin Fields we've talked about a lot but I also have the running backs here Jonathan Taylor he's the one that everybody just has their eyes on there's a lot of varying opinions on him as a pro right now some people I saw something people like oh he can't run to the outside he's not fast I don't really agree with that I do think he's a straight line kind of guy with power but I do think he has some getaway speed I think he's a tough player. I'd love to see him catch the ball a lot this year. I'm excited about Jonathan Taylor. One other running back, though, in this group, and he we'll see if he declares. He's only going to be a redshirt sophomore, but that's Mohamed Ibrahim from Minnesota. And I know, Melo, you really like this Minnesota team. There's a lot to like in this Minnesota offense. His first year last year, he missed a couple games, 
and he still went over 1,100 yards. So a really, really big year for him in Minnesota there. And if he has one more big year, I always say running back should just go. Go to the NFL when you can. I know this is a very stacked group, but he's the guy in this running back class that no one's talking about and should really have their eyes on if he has one more big season. I want to say one thing about Jonathan Taylor before we move on, because this enrages me. He did fumble four times last year. And also, as a as a freshman, he fumbled eight times. He lost six. That's a problem. Last year, he carried the football 307 <laughs> times. And fumbled Levy four. Bell numbers. I'm going to be okay with that. Yeah, when you're stacking the box against him, too, because you know that the passing game is not really going to be a threat at Wisconsin, and you're you're going to be able to gang tackle and have guys stripping at the ball. But we've also seen other running backs. Adrian Peterson was one of the worst ball carriers I've seen during his time at Oklahoma. Is anybody talking about his fumbling problems in the NFL? Just like, his money. Never. Right? It's just, He's fine. He's fine. He's a good running back. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. So I think that those carry issues those can be very easily corrected i also think he's just one more backfield guy yeah one more backfield guy that needs a bounce back year is jk dobbins he does phenomenal freshman year i mean he averaged over seven yards a carry his freshman year last year he goes under five so I, I think J.K. Dobbins, he really looks like Doug Martin. It's crazy how much they look alike and how much they run alike. J.K. Dobbins, with a bounce-back year, is going to be right in that draft picture. And here's the thing. Jonathan Taylor, as a, as a recruit, was timed at 4-4-2. That's with no training. That's without prepping for the combine. I think he gets high 4-3s. I do, too. I mean, this is a track guy. I, I think he's going to. I do want to see what he can do receiving-wise uh, because, obviously, he doesn't get the opportunity at Wisconsin very often. But I think he's going to be an elite-level back. You look at you know the guys from the other conferences as well. Going to be a very good running back class. All right, let's talk about defense um, and look at – I have the defensive backs. There are so many of them, like the receiver class. Uh, I broke out my corner and then the safety groups. It's really about Jeffrey Okuda here. I think he's – I think he's better than Denzel Ward was. I mean, I, I think he's he might be better than Marshawn Lattimore was. And obviously, that's like early. We got to see, you know, where he goes. But I love what what he is headed into this season. I think he's out of here after this. Livert Hill at Michigan's very good. Damon Arnett lost his job to Jeffrey Akuda. He might be a good like mid round nickel guy. We'll kind of see where he is. Third year highlighting Damon <laughs> right. Arnett on the show. As long as we've had to stick to football, we're talking about him. Uh, there's DiCaprio Boodle at Nebraska. Great name. Got to talk about that. Tino Ellis at Maryland. The safeties. It's a deep group. Not great. I think Jordan Fuller at Ohio State's really good. David Dowell at Michigan State. Geno Stone at Iowa. Eric Bowl at Wisconsin. The strong safety side. Antoine Winfield at Minnesota. Like, that's just cool. The Antoine Winfield's kid is now at Minnesota. He's also a good player. Josh Medalist at Michigan. Antoine Brooks at Maryland. Garrett Taylor at Penn State. Jarrett Pace at Northwestern. Uh, there, there's a lot of good players in the secondary, but, man, it's really about Jeff Okuda and how great he's going to be at corner. And I'm going to take the D-line group today. I do want to talk about Raquan Williams from Michigan State. We've already talked about them a lot, and Kenny Willekes and some of the other guys they have on defense. I think that he could be a top interior defensive lineman. I really like his game. Obviously, he's going to be able to free himself up and make some plays with what they have on defense. And then you could talk about players' sons. Lorenzo Neal Jr. at Purdue is a big old boy, and I want to see what he can do. I think he can occupy a nose tackle spot. At the next level, 6'1", 325 is what they have listed at. But I think a lot of the attention needs to go to these edge rushers where the Big Ten could actually have the top four edge rushers coming from this class, depending on who you're talking about. Chase Young, A.J. Epinesa, Kenny Willekes, and Gross Mottos, all from the Big Ten. 
I could see those guys shaking out to be the top four edge rushers. They're all special. They all do things differently. They all play with their hand in the dirt, but I think that they can convert and be stand-up edge rushers. They have the athletic ability. They have the size. It's going to be a very special group coming out of the Big Ten this year. And I got the linebackers, another impressive group. Maybe not the best conference for linebackers in the country, but still solid players. We haven't really talked about Northwestern much, but Patty Fisher, uh, there was expectations for him to be a part of last year's class, and he was just okay last year. I think he could really turn it on this year. He has the length. He's really a tackling machine. So Patty Fisher highlights this linebacker group. Joe Bocci, we've talked a lot about Michigan State. Bocci's the tackling machine that plays behind guys like Willikis in that front seven. We know how good that front seven is going to be this year. Bocci might be the headliner in the box score week after week. One more really interesting one here. When I was going through guys that transferred, Shaq Smith, former five-star, played at Clemson, graduated in three years goes to Maryland, where he's expected to be an impact player. I think the talent is there with Smith. When you go to Clemson sometimes, it's hard to get on the field. For championship teams, it's really hard to get on the field. So good on him for graduating in three years. Now he has at least, if he wants it, he has two years in Maryland. There's a, Trey Watson's gone, so there's a spot open for him to come in, help that defense, be a speedster up front for that defense. So Shaq Smith is kind of one of those really, really under-the-radar names right now, but he can be an impact transfer for that Maryland team. Draft on draft time. We have three kick-ass questions from you guys. Uh, we have more, but we actually accidentally answered a lot of them during the show. So first one from Dakota Cox. Who will be coaching in the NFL first? Jim Day. Jim Ryan Day. Day. Ryan Day. Yeah, or Jim Harbaugh. Together. <laughs> uh, that's a tough one because I really like Ryan Day's potential and what he can do. But this is his first year as the head coach at Ohio State. So I think things might be a little bit. Uh, he might be there for a while. Jim Harbaugh. I know he's a Michigan guy, and I think the fan, most of the fan base loves him. I think that his time there could be coming to an end, and if it does, I don't see him taking another college job. I see him moving back to the NFL, so I'm actually going to say Jim Harbaugh, for me, I think he will be in first to the NFL. Yeah, normally I would go with the younger guy here, the up-and-comer, who I think is going to be really, really good for a long time. But I think Ryan Day will be happy there at Ohio State. They'll pay well, he'll recruit well. And they'll win a ton of games. They'll win that conference a lot. I'm with Mello. I'll go Jim Harbaugh as well, just because I think that clock is ticking there. And at some point, you got to wonder, you know, should you jump before the ship sinks? And and Harbaugh, Harbaugh might be forced, his hand might be forced to do that. And the, the NFL will gladly take him back at some point. It's so hard to say because like Harbaugh is a Michigan guy. And I feel like he could go down with that ship. But I agree the NFL will take him back. He was good with the Niners. It's just for whatever reason. Look at Cliff Kingsbury. Right? Yeah. I mean, like someone will want that in the NFL. So I will take Harbaugh. I still have some PTSD from how things went down with him and the Niners and Trent Baalke. But like, it's okay. I mean, you know, we have Kyle Shanahan now. So I guess it's okay. But I'll take Harbaugh. Mike, uh, I can never say Mike's last name. I don't know how to either. Yeah. Sorry, buddy, Mike. You know who you are, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Mike Spencer is his real name, right? Yeah, but I put in this. Okay, thanks for messing with me, Melo. Could Sean Wade be a first-round pick? He played well as a redshirt freshman at corner. He's moving to safety this year. In a weak positional class, could he be the second safety off the board after Delpit? So um, I like Sean Wade. I always think when it's a move like this, especially for a guy who'll be a redshirt sophomore, you almost have to say, let's wait and see. Like, yes, there's some natural talent there. To be able to get on the field as a redshirt freshman at corner is impressive, but... 
going from corner to safety, it's not as easy as it's maybe made out to be. Yeah, and my understanding of this Ohio State defense that they're running is he's really going to be more of a nickel corner. I still think he's a corner, uh, regardless of what they list him at. I like him at corner, and I think he could be a first-round pick there. I don't know that he'll come out this year. I think that he could wait another year, but I do think that he's kind of next in line with what they have at at corner at Ohio State. It's it's going to be an impressive group. Usually what we see out of them is they're going to lock you down in man defense the entire time, put those corners out on an island and let their free safety roam. I think there's going to be a little bit more variety with what they're doing this year on defense. But I do like Sean Wade, not as much as I like Akuda, but I would put him ahead of guys, even Arnett, and then Jordan Fuller being able to roam over the free. I, it's going to be a very good defense. I like Sean Wade, but probably not for the 2020 draft, maybe more 2021. I never say flat out no to these questions because so many different things can happen. I mean, sometimes you got to declare, you know, strike when the iron's hot, whether the ball came your way a couple more times and you had more opportunities for turnovers. Now, I think this safety class is is a big mystery right now outside of Delpit. I know we talked a lot about uh, LeCount on Georgia and our expectations for him this year, which will be really exciting. It always feels like Alabama has guys ready to step in and make an impact, but I'm not going to rule it out. I side more with Mello where it might benefit him to actually stay. Sometimes at DB, it it really, really benefits you to stay unless you're just a short thing. I mean, we just saw, we said for how many months Grudy Williams would be a first round pick Yep, uh, for a year, maybe longer. And it just didn't happen. So you never know. Sometimes it can it can really help you to be a more pro-ready defensive back. For Greedy, it already looks like he should have been a first-round pick because I hear yeah, he's Yeah, probably should have been. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah, probably should have been. Um, all right, Mel Kuyper Sr., uh, love you, buddy, wants to know, what is Ohio State and, Mich- and Michigan? Oh, did I say puberty? What is Ohio State and Michigan's record if they played in the SEC West? So in the West, that's with your Alabama and your LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M. I still think that they're very good. We've seen these two teams compete at the highest level and in the playoffs. I think that Ohio State, you put them over in the SEC West, even this year, I think they're still a 10-2 and team, maybe even competing with Alabama. That's a very good team, and they can compete with other ones. They're going to beat the Texas A&Ms, the Auburns, Mississippi State. They can handle their own there. In Michigan, I think they're they're right up there, too. I think they would compete and be on the same level as an LSU, maybe a 10-2, and maybe more like 9-3 and consistently, but I think we would see the same kind of outcome that we've seen them do competing in the Big Ten. Yeah, I don't think the drop-off would be very drastic. Michigan is very, very similar team to LSU where you have the quarterback that, you know, can get you by. He's solid, but you're looking at the talent around it, especially the defenses that they have. Ohio State, I mean, they could score with anyone, I think, this year. I wouldn't worry about them at all. I would actually love to see that matchup of Ohio State against some of those teams, especially against Alabama. So I don't think the drop-off would be that significant, but it would make for some intriguing games. I think Ohio State would be okay. I think they would be like a 12-1, and 11-2 team. I think Michigan would probably – I mean, they lost three games to the Big Ten last year. Yeah. So, I mean, they're better than A&M. I, here's a hot take for you because I know that we talk about the SEC all the time. I think that the Big Ten East – is probably better than the SEC West. Okay, I agree with that. Like If you take out Alabama, who's obviously going to dominate, then you're left with LSU, Texas A&M, Auburn, Mississippi State, Mississippi, and Arkansas. I would put that's, Penn State that's ahead of That's not better like, than Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State. Like Those are four better Michigan schools. Michigan State's good. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, 
if you take out the outlier of Alabama, who is going to kill everybody regardless of what conference they're in, I actually think that the Big Ten is a better conference. The Big Ten has more good schools. Because mm-hmm. SEC now is like a three-and-a-half school conference. I would put Florida as the half. Yeah. I would I would say they're like four. I would include LSU, but I don't think that they're good enough to win a national championship. I wouldn't be surprised if Michigan did. I know that maybe they're a little overrated, but if Shea Patterson surprises everyone, that's a good enough group to win a national championship. I don't know that Joe Burrow is going to surprise everyone and the LSU wins a national championship. I don't think Felipe Franks and Florida is going to do it, but I could see Michigan and Ohio State both competing there. Yeah, well, we get to talk about the team that LSU is going to lose to in week one on Friday's show. And I know I'm excited because it's Big 12 time. And so you get to listen to Mello talk shit about our favorite team. And you get to me hear me talk way too highly about our favorite team. And Connor will probably come in right about where they're supposed to be. <laughs> right? So it'll be really yeah. fun. Uh, if you're an Oklahoma fan, it might be an earmuff kind of day on Stick to Football. But listen just for the bulletin board material we're going to give you. Yeah, and I, I really like the Oklahoma team. If we're previewing the Big 12 just a little bit, teasing it, I really think that they are one of the top teams in the nation. Well, I guess we'll find out on Friday morning. For Connor and Mello, this is Matt. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Stick Make sure you subscribe to the show so you get those downloads every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning. We'll talk to you all real soon. Mm-hmm.